of the worst things uh, that we can do is, uh, well, that's an awful way to start, isn't it? The worst thing you can, sorry. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I do want to add, um, or start off by saying, a couple weeks ago, it might have been a couple months ago, I mentioned that on Sunday nights, if you have a thing with your family going, I mentioned that that can be a holy experience. I don't want you to feel like, well, we've got this beautiful thing going with our family. We've got to kill that so that we can go to a Sunday night service and do that again. Well, Sunday night service has really dropped off since I said that. So, I still believe it, but I would, I, I would like to add... Um, just, just an added part of that is there is nothing better you can be doing than being a part of a church. Um, sometimes we phrase it, go to church. I don't like, uh, we are not called to go to church. We're called to be a part of a church. Uh, we can't just passively sit in pews and feel holy. We should never really feel all that holy to begin with. But... You need to be a part of a church. You know, that means a lot of things. That means coming and taking communion with us on Sunday mornings is being a part of a church. Coming and singing praises with us um, on Sunday mornings is being a part of a church. I would encourage you, if you're not involved with a life group, uh, try that out. Uh, there's no better way to get to know the people in the pews beside you than to be in a life group with them. Um, people who are different from you, people who have different backgrounds and different um, ideas. It's just so nice to be a part of that. Um, so if you, if you have not tried that out, find somebody, our leaders um, in our life groups. Which, which two groups met this morning? Todd's and the, the, the Westfall group. Um, don't talk to them. They can't help you today. They've already eaten breakfast and had a devotional this morning. Um, but it was fantastic, I'm sure. Um, actually, I'm sure because I snuck in afterward and ate some of the breakfast. Um, but be a, be a part of a group. And if you, don't have a, if you don't feel like you have a small group, if you don't, listen, if you don't like your small group, I want to acknowledge that that can happen. Find one. It, it, it would really be beneficial to you. Um, family's holy. Time with your family's holy. But get to church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go find a life group. Uh, that, that would be... Um, I, I just think there's so much... There's nothing better than your kids can remember than mom and dad used to go over to people's houses and talk about God. Does that make sense? You want your kids to have that memory. And you want... You want you to have that experience. Now, the worst thing we can do, back to that. The worst thing we can do, or at least humans often do, is we compare. We compare ourselves to other people. Well, I want to be uh, as, as handsome as John Martin. Or I want to be, I'm just, he messes with me sometimes, so I got to mess with him. Uh, I, I want to be, I, I am not as um, good as that person, or I'm not as, um, 
as well off or as rich as this person. But a lot of times, that, that comparison can get us in trouble. But the, the comparison that really gets us in trouble is the one when you're driving and everyone going faster than you is a moron and everyone going slower than you is an idiot. Now, not just the driving part, but it's the, it's the, the, the mindset that there are people who are different from me on both ends of the spectrum, and all of them aren't as good as I am. Have you ever had this argument with somebody? Maybe not your spouse, but probably, maybe so. Oh, I'm, I'm tired. You think you're tired. I'm guessing that's a no. Now, that, that mindset of, well, I, I've got I've to have the, um, the best take or the, I, I've got to have the busiest schedule or if, if everyone is less than me. If someone's not as busy as me, they're lazy. And if someone's busier than me, they're just a workaholic. That's silly. What's happening there is you're setting yourself up to be the standard. And the people around you need to fall in line. And by fall in line, I mean the people around you need to at least acknowledge that, that, every, that you have it the worst. Or that you have it the hardest. Or that you're trying the hardest. One of, the, one of the problems churches can get into is we can start looking at other churches and saying, you know what, they're awful, and they're awful, and they're awful. And the question then is, well, what about you? Well, compared to them, we're pretty, we're pretty fantastic. Well, what about compared to Jesus? How do you look them? Not too hot. I, do, I, I don't. The life Jesus called me to live, I don't live up to. And I'm guessing, if you're honest, you don't quite live up to it either. But to remedy that, often we will put ourselves in a place where everyone is just sort of compared to us. Instead of comparing ourselves to Jesus. Take Jesus out of the equation, I sort of become the plumb line of truth. And that's a very dangerous place to be. An extremely dangerous place to be. So when you look through the words of Jesus on the cross, we will find Him on a cross taking care of His mother. Um, seeing His mother there in front of Him. And you all know the story says, mother, here's your son, son, here's your mother. Basically saying, take care of my mom, please. And that part of that story tells us something about Jesus' personality that I think we could all learn from. Because we are, in the end, comparative people. Have you ever had, tried to tell someone about good barbecue? It's just flat impossible. Because they'll say, oh, well, no, no, no. Like, like you just told them the earth is flat. 
No, no, no. If you want good barbecue, you got to go to this person. All right. It's all really good. It's all meat and sauce, and it's fantastic. You, so you, you're afraid to say, I'm afraid to tell you what Big, big Jake's I like, <clears throat> barbecue I like. Y'all think I'm just joking, because usually when I do something like that, it's just a joke. That was serious. I really just said Big Jake's instead of barbecue sauce. Instead of barbecue. Now I'm off track because I'm thinking about barbecue, and it's really hard to think about the Bible. (laughs) Note to self, don't use barbecue as an illustration. Um, So Jesus Jesus has this this lack of comparativeness. Because if you think about it, at that moment, on a cross... On a hill called Golgotha, who has it the worst? But right, I think we would all answer Jesus. I think we'd all understand that, that Jesus has the worst situation going on and that he should he should be deserving of all the sympathy. But he he's not. Start at the end of verse uh, 16 of John chapter 19. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had, no, had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the, Greek was written in, uh, the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, I've written what I have written. Cut to the scene at the cross. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarments remaining. This garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. You know, they're being real nice to this garment. Let's decide, let's decide by lot, or by um, casting dice, or gambling. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled, that, they, that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. So this is what the soldiers did. So we've got, we've got four guys, um, soldiers, who are taking Jesus' clothes and dividing them amongst themselves and casting lots for the final clothes or final piece of clothing. And then we cut to four women standing at the foot of the cross. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now some people say there's only three women here but because um, the mother's sister is also named Mary the wife of Clopas, but that would mean her sister was named Mary, and it would also mean that her parents were crazy people. So, we're assuming four people. And this is what John really would do. I mean, he would say, he, he's contrasting the two situations. We've got the four soldiers, and we've got the four, uh, the four women at the foot of the cross. And that, that's, that's what Jesus is looking at. He's looking at people dividing his clothes, and then people who are mourning his life. And he looks at his mother. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, this is 
most, mostly understood to be John. When he saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, uh, this would probably be better translated, Dear woman, um, because the word, uh, the Greek word gunai, which just means woman, is, uh, was often used as a, um, as a nice way of referring to a woman. It wasn't like we would use it like, Bake me a pie, woman, you know, not like that. But more like, uh, more like, dear, dear, sweet woman. It was, it was never used harshly. Um, so it, here he's not saying woman. He's saying, dear woman, here is your son, gesturing or not gesturing, but noticing John and the disciple. Here is your mother. And from that time on, his, this disciple took her into his home. Now, one of the um, I was hoping he wasn't hiding there, ready to jump out and get me. I saw you. Uh, One of the interesting things going on here is that Jesus has has every right to only be concerned with himself. Every right. You should see me when I'm sick. It's bad. It's pretty pathetic. I mean, I just... I, I got the flu last year and gave it to my family because I love them. And there was a... Um, apparently, none of them got it as bad as I did. Now, that could be possible, but I doubt it. Stop giggling back there. Um, there... It just felt like I had it the worst because everyone else seemed to be functioning better than I did. And I had on a hoodie inside and was sweating and freezing. It just felt, I'm going to go ahead and say I had it the worst. But where is, where, why am I, why do I feel the need to compare? Well, first off, because it it was pretty pathetic how I acted. Um, But also, I just, I, we need to, Feel, figure out who has it the worst. And if, it's, if you've got my situation going on, then you're not going to want to... Man, I wish you could feel how bad I've got it. Because then you'd really feel sympathy for me. And I need all of the attention on moi. That's French for Benjamin. I need all the attention right here. And if you, could, if you could just stop paying attention to yourself, please pay attention to me. Because I've got it the worst. I'm the busiest. I've got it the hardest. My family is going through the worst time. My, it's just irritating, isn't it? Now, we'll freely do it, but we'll, it's irritating. That's not how we should live, and Jesus on the cross had every opportunity to feel like he has it a little worse than the people who weren't on crosses. And his mom stands there before him, and he remembers no one's going to take care of her. He at least remembers that it was his responsibility to figure out who was going to take care of her. And so he says, John, could you watch my mom? 
I really wish, because I like this sort of thing, I really wish this had a little more theological implications to it. I wish I could point back to Isaiah or one of the Psalms and say, say see, look, see what he was doing here? He was taking care of his mom, but he was also referencing the fact that his, that his mom, and I go into like this deep explanation of the text, but it just doesn't exist. What we see here is simply a Jesus taking care of his mom when he was in the worst of predicaments. Not feeling sorry for himself, but finding pity for someone else. Now, we do this sometimes whenever we're, we're, we're clear-headed. We'll say, oh, yes, other people have it a lot worse off than I do. But not that much. Even when we study our Bibles, we'll look at the disciples and then we'll say, oh, well, they just didn't believe. They just didn't believe like we do. Their friend came back from the dead. You realize how spectacular that is? Of course they didn't believe. We'll talk about the, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Say, well, they're just a bunch of gripers. Those griper, griper, gripity gripers. And we'll say they just... They were having to fight battles and not eat. And they didn't have water complainers. I would have trusted God. I mean, sometimes my phone takes a while to take a picture and I don't get that. Right? You know, I didn't get that moment that I was hoping to capture with my phone. But man, those Israelites were complainers. We are very good at judging other people when we're completely blind to our own selves. What we need to get better at is becoming very good at taking care of other people regardless of the situation we are in. Regardless of how, of how tough I have it or how little I'm, I'm afraid, I'm, well, I would help you out, but I might run out of money. The question then becomes, who do you think is in control? Is it, is it me? Is it you? Or is God really... In control. Is Jesus of Nazareth the crucified Lord, the risen Savior, the, uh, the ascended King? Is He truly on the throne? Or are you in control of you? Are you going to have to take care of yourself? Or does Jesus have some power? I believe this. I believe that when we pray for others, God hears it and it matters. I believe that when we serve others without worrying about ourselves, God hears it and sees it and it matters. I believe that when we give up of ourselves, even though we might, whenever we're a bit delusioned, think we have it worse than everybody else, 
or when we're really disillusioned, think that we are better than everyone else. I think when we give up part of ourselves, God sees that and it matters. What you're doing tomorrow matters in the kingdom of God. Who you seek to take care of tomorrow, this week, matters in the kingdom of God. You may not be the most theologically versed human being. You might not have even understood my previous sentence. You might not know your Bible backward and forward, and you might not know the retribution theology of Bildad. That's in there. But that doesn't mean that you have no use. Actually, when you get all that stuff kind of out of the way and realize that God's in control and we're all sort of just learning... You can get down to the nitty-gritty of serving people like Jesus served people. Of finding, um, having empathy for others like Jesus had empathy for others. And not somehow comparing their situation to my situation and saying, well, I mean, that, that, that's pretty rough, but I've got it pretty rough too. Or they wouldn't be in that situation if... They hadn't made all those bad choices. One of the most common misconceptions is that you would do something differently if you were in other people's shoes. Now, some of you might. If you you were in someone else's shoes, you would have done something differently. Some of you might. But I would argue that a lot of people's actions and decisions are their actions and decisions precisely because of the shoes they're in. Does that make sense? Their story, their life up until this point has caused, has led them into easy and comfortable decisions just like if you grew up in a middle class white family that went to church every Sunday, you shouldn't feel that holy about your going to church every Sunday. Good job. You're just doing the thing that comes natural to you. Some people didn't grow up in a world where worshiping God was a natural occasion and they have come around to worshiping God wholeheartedly. We think we have it hard sometimes. We really don't have it that hard. We think if we were someone else, we would have eventually come to our spot. And that's lazy thinking. We don't have empathy for other people. Jesus has called us to love people like he has loved us. And the way we must do that is to first understand those people like he understood us. Jesus, God loved us, but he sent his son. The sending of his son was for him to say, here's what I want to know what it's like to be you. I want to walk 
33 years in your shoes and see what it's like to be tempted. See what it's like to be hungry. See what it's like to grow up. When we don't afford that same, uh, we don't give other people that same uh, treatment. When we don't understand them, empathize with them, get connect with them. Man, it must be hard to have gone through that. A lot of you know that um, I was uh, I was once fired from not with real fire, but just it was. It felt like it. I was once told to leave my position. Um, found another job within a month, and that was fine. They hired me for the same reasons the other place had fired me, which was interesting. Um, first conference, they said, we, we want to send you to conferences. And I said, oh, really? That's cool. And so they, they said, you get to pick. And so I picked one in Michigan from a, a, a preacher and a writer I loved and who had really influenced me, and he was going to do this once-in-a-lifetime preaching seminar. He was going to teach you how to preach, and I don't remember any of it. But what I do remember is that I got to meet him, and I walked up, and he was something, somebody I really respected. I'd read all his books, uh, and he was a, uh, listened to a lot of his sermons, and he really shaped me. And I, uh, I went up and met him, and there was like a line, and he was sitting on a on a stool, just talking to people. As I got closer to him, it was interesting meeting him because it was like a, he was bigger, he seemed bigger than life. You know, he seemed like he should have been. And then I met him and he's actually six seven and huge. Doesn't look at, you know, just like if you saw a picture of him, but he's huge. And he asked me my name and I told him my name and I said, uh, and I said, listen, and I told him the story about getting fired. And I told him the story about a week after, well, not even a week after, finding out we, were, um, we had lost our job, that we needed to sell our house, that we needed to move. We found out that we were going to have our first child. And I told him that story. And, and, he, and I was just telling him, I said, well, we got hired. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. We're like, we're fine. We're fine. And he, all he, he just listened. And all he said was, Man, that was a hard ride, wasn't it? And I just lost it. I just started crying. He hugged me. And my face was in his sternum. It was awkward. <laughs> but it, there, the moment that got me was for like someone looked into my life and they realized, you have it really difficult right now. And sometimes that's what that's just so helpful to other people. You don't have to give them money. You don't have to give them. Uh, you don't even have to like help them do anything. It's just when they're telling you their stories, a Christian response is not, "Well, you should hear my story." A Christian response is, "That must be hard." I am so sorry you're going through. The Christian response is to listen and to care about the individual more than we care about our own selves and our own desires. Jesus on a cross 
takes care of his mother. Now, you know, the flip side of that is he, he, he gave John a house guest. But he cared about the plight of other people more than he cared about his own. You want to be like Jesus? You, this, just this week, like something you can do right now to start being more like Jesus. And you think, I, I, I really want that. Start listening and understanding and loving people today. Start listening to them. I'm looking at you guys. Us guys are kind of bad about this. We're not very good listeners. We're waiters. We're, wait, we're waiting on our turn to say what we have to say. You think conversation is a game of tennis. Well, I'll just wait until he gets over here, then I'll hit it. We're not very good listeners. Guys, we need to be better listeners. Ladies? I'm sure we can look more like Christ when we listen to other people or when we treat other people with respect. We are called to love people, but sometimes we talk about love like it's this, this thing that sort of this fluffy sort of thing. It's like cotton candy, but better. But it's not. Love is like this very concrete thing whenever we, when we, we care about other people and listen to other people and understand them. There's no... There's no telling what you can do by not saying a word and just truly listening to someone else's story and caring for that other person. You may change someone's life. For me, it, 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 made, me, it made me understand how bad I was hurting from something. Some people may not think it's a big deal until someone else notices it and says, hey man, that is a big deal and I'm sorry you're going through it. For someone to look at Mary, for Jesus to look at Mary even on a cross and say, you're about to have to live by yourself. If I don't take care of this, I'm going to take care of this. Let's be Christ-like people. Don't want anyone meeting any me monsters from the Mineral Springs Church of Christ. If you don't know what a me monster is, Google it. Find Brian Regan. That's a me monster. Well, he explains it. He's not one. Don't we we want to be about other people. Loving God and loving others. I told all these kids to be shouting mama during the Mary sermon. I just thought it was apropos. Apropos, yeah. But I hope, I hope that you can find somebody to invest in this week that's more important than yourself. I hope you can find somebody to care for this week in the name of Jesus, like Jesus has cared for you and I hope that you can experience the sort of love for someone else that Jesus has given to you. If you've never experienced that sort of love, the sort of love Jesus is willing to give to you, I would, I would say today's the day. Um, something as simple as confessing that Jesus is Lord and being baptized into 
his death, burial, and resurrection, you walk in newness of life, and I believe the Holy Spirit is given, and you are blessed. And that you actually will become a better person because, not because you're working harder, but because Jesus is now walking alongside you. That he is with you. I believe, I believe that's something you cannot go without, and it's something you shouldn't wait to decide on. I think today is the day to give yourself to God through confession, through repentance, through baptism, living a life that is like Jesus. And we can't do that unless we're living a life with Jesus. Whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.